Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, season one of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit slash The Rookie. Game 9. Ionath Krakens 6 and 2 at Quith Survivors 3 and 5. Quith irradiated conference standings. In first place with a record of 6 and 2, the Ionath Krakens. In second, also with a record of 6 and 2, the Glory War Pigs. Tied for third with records of 5 and 3, Orbiting Death, Wittock Pioneers, and Sheb Stalkers. In sixth place with a record of 4 and 4, the Grontac Hydras. Tied for seventh with records of 3 and 5, the Quith Survivors and the Big Diggers. In ninth place with a record of 2 and 6, the Wu Wall Crawlers. And in last place with a record of 1 and 7, the Sky Demolition. They might as well have been preparing for a gladiatorial fight to the death, or perhaps a pitched battle to save their own families. That's how intense it felt as the Krakens practiced for the final regular season game against the Quith survivors. There had been smiles and jokes and hard work and intensity as the Krakens crawled from one and two and fought their way to first place. The smiles and jokes were gone. The Krakens had fought too long and too hard to grab sole possession of first place. They weren't about to take a team lightly simply because of a 3-5 and five record. Hokor gave the starting job to Pine. Quentin was mad as could be, jealous, enraged, and dejected, but after his performance against the Warpigs, he couldn't blame Hokor. The difference this time, however, was that Quentin and Pine evenly split all practice reps. After the second practice, with two more to go before game time, Quentin was glad he was not a quith survivor. Later that night, they'd take the shuttle up to the touchback and depart for the planet Quith, seat of the Quith Concordia and home of the survivors. As he peeled off his armor after practice, Massal waddled over to him. The quith worker stood there, waiting to be addressed. What is it? Quentin asked. He hated how the workers were so subservient they wouldn't speak unless spoken to. Greedock wishes to see you, Massal said. Quentin's blood ran ice cold. Greedock hadn't talked to him since that first shuttle trip from the combine to the touchback. Uh, what does he want? As I said, Greedock wishes to see you. Quentin nodded. Tell him I'll be right up as soon as I finish dressing. He is not here, Massal said. He is in town. I am to take you to him immediately. Quentin took a deep breath. In town. Had he found out about the team-wide smuggling effort? Or 
far worse, found out about Pine. Come on, Masal, give me a hint. What's this about? It is not my place to say, Masal said with a little bow. All right, let me shower up first. If I may be so bold, Elder Barnes, I suggest you skip the shower and come with me immediately. Greedock seemed agitated. Agitated, Quentin echoed. That couldn't be good. He'd never seen Greedock upset, let alone agitated. He quickly finished removing his armor, then threw on pants and a Kraken sweatshirt. The hover cab stopped in front of the bootleg arms. Uh-oh, Quentin said. Virak the Mean was waiting by the front door. He walked forward as soon as the cab stopped. Virak's eye showed a thin coloring of translucent pink. Redock is inside, Virak said. Come with me. Quentin thought of running for it, but where would he go? He was in an alien city. He knew only his teammates and a handful of diehard Purist Nation citizens. He could easily outrun Virak, but where after that? This was Greedock City. Virak was also apparently in trouble. Pink was the color of fear. Okay, Quentin said. Let's go. They walked inside. Quentin couldn't help but think of the parallels to the last time he'd been here. Masal led the way this time instead of Tikad the Groveling. Virak was with Quentin once again, but this time they were side by side. The bar was empty. Somehow Quentin knew it would be. They walked past the dance floor and into the back room. Greedock sat comfortably in Mopuk's chair. Two quith warriors Quentin didn't recognize stood on either side of him, each holding a gun. Hello, Quentin, Greedock said. I think you remember Mopuk. Greedock gestured to the table. The strange, insect-like creatures filled one half of the table, separated from the other end by a glowing force field. The bugs kept running at the force field and were constantly thrown backwards by some small shock. After every blast, they ran forward again, only to be shocked again. Inside the other end of the table lay Mopuk, bound tight. His eye glowed the bright neon pink of pure terror. Of course I remember him, Quentin said. I am not happy with you, Quentin, Greedock said. You or your teammates. Quentin just looked at Greedock. He wasn't about to volunteer any information. You used my team to smuggle a large shipment of goods, Greedock said. I don't want that to happen again. Quentin nodded. I've learned that Donald Pine was throwing games. My games. I doubt it, Quentin said. He's a great quarterback. Don't lie to me. Your body heat and pulse tell me when you are lying. Greedock's fur raised slightly. Quentin had seen Hokor angry, all puffed up like a furball, but Greedock's fur had always lain flat and smooth. The problem has been solved, Quentin said. We took care of it, as a team. You solved nothing! Greedock pointed to Mopuk. This, this Yakuchat caused my team to lose. I'm sorry, Shamakath, Mopuk screamed. Please, give me a chance to make it up to you. Be quiet. But Shamakath, 
I swear it was a mistake. Greedock's petty pelp reached for a small button built into the tabletop. Mopuk fell instantly silent. This weak one has already told me everything, Greedock said. So do not lie to me again, Quentin. Was Pine throwing games? Quentin thought for a moment, then nodded. Was this one responsible for that? Greedock asked, his other petty pelt tapping on the glass right next to the button. Quentin nodded again. Greedock pressed the button. The force field dissipated. The ever-attacking bug creatures swarmed over Mopuk, covering his legs and stomach in the blink of an eye. He started to scream as the living carpet swept up his chest and onto his face, but the scream choked as dozens crawled into his mouth. His jaws clamped shut, sending squirts of yellow bug blood against the inner glass. His mouth stayed shut only a second. He opened it to scream again, but more poured into the opening. He jerked and thrashed against his bindings, his body lurching against the strong glass, smashing more of the creatures against the smooth surface, streaking it with blobs of dripping yellow and bits of crushed body parts. The table shook with his jerking pain, but did not break. Quentin realized that Mopuk was shrinking, that the bugs were draining him of fluid, like a swarm of demonic mosquitoes. His kicks and lurches slowed. He had one more panicked burst of twitches, then he slowed again, and finally stopped. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The bugs kept swarming over him, a shimmering bodysuit of living death. 
That is what happens to those who betray me, Greedock said. He looked quite satisfied with himself. If you keep information from me again, I will be angry. But for now, I am pleased with your resourcefulness. I think you handle the situation much as I would have. You will be the starter this week against the survivors. I am not happy with my bodyguard, who abandoned his main duties in favor of his place on the team. Byrak will perform Geras as an example to others in my organization. Uh, Geras? Quentin said. What's Geras? The pinkness deepened in Byrak's eye. It is a ritualistic suicide, he said. I will kill myself while others watch to prove my loyalty to my Shamakath. Kill yourself? Are you nuts? Come on, Greedock. He didn't know you'd be this mad. He was just trying to help the team. Greedock said nothing. I knew exactly what would happen if we were discovered, Virak said. I knew the consequences, and I'm prepared to pay the price. Quentin stared. First at Virak, then at Greedock, then back. Virak had known helping Pine might bring about his own death, yet he helped anyway. The temper starting to burn at the back of his brain, Quentin turned to Greedock. And what about Pine? Pine will suffer a fate similar to Mopuk. No, Quentin said. Greedock looked at him. Are you refusing my orders? Yes, Quentin said. I am a football player. Donald Pine is a football player. Virak is a football player. Those two betrayed me. I don't give a crap what they did. They are my teammates. Did you not hear me? Greedock said. I said you are the starter. Those two don't concern you. Virak stays on the team. Pine stays on the team. No one dies. Greedock leaned forward. Who do you think you're talking to? I am your Shamakath, you insolent human. You are the team owner, Quentin said. You are not my Shamakath. Greedock's fur ruffled out to full length. He looked like a little black puffball. Don't bother getting all pissy, Quentin said. You do anything to Pine, or Virak dies, and I walk. Do you understand what that means? You walk? You quit? Do you think I can't get another quarterback? Not like me you can't, baby, Quentin said, slowly shaking his head from side to side. There isn't anyone like me, and you know it. Never was, never will be. And I walk now, Greedy, right this second. That means your starter against the quit survivors is Itzhak. Do you think Itzhak can win that game? Yes, he can, Greedock said. The survivors are three and five. We can beat them without you. Quentin nodded. Maybe. But can he win in the playoffs? Can he beat the Texas Earthlings? Can he beat the undefeated Chilich Spider-Bears? Greedock's eye turned a deep, iridescent black. You remember the playoffs? Quentin said. You know, that little thing we need to reach Tier 1? Don't you want to reach Tier 1, Greedock? Greedock's petty palps trembled. You smelly human. You don't even really understand who you're talking to. Sure I do, Quentin said. I'm talking to the team owner. I'm not in your mob, Greedock. I'm a football player. 
Now, I'm not disrespecting you in any way. I promise you that. I'm telling you the way it's going to be with my team. Or I catch the first liner back to Purist Nation space. And what if I put you inside this table right now? Quentin shrugged. Well, I guess I would die a pretty miserable death. But you know what? You still lose. You don't reach tier one. It's that simple. So here's the deal. Pine plays. Virac plays. In fact, Virac is so good, why don't you get some of the other monkey boys to do your muscle work? He needs to concentrate on the survivors and on the tournament. It's your call, Greedy. What's it going to be? Greedock's eyes swirled black hole black, then slowly faded to clear. He stared for another full minute, then finally spoke. Hakat, Jokat, he said to the guards on either side. See these football players out. But know this, Quentin. Your deal lasts only as long as you keep winning. If you don't make tier one, then you and I will settle up. Quentin winked. We're going to the top, boss. You can bank on it. If only he felt as confident as he sounded. Alone, Greedock sat in the bootlegger arms for several minutes. He contemplated the scenario, unlike any he'd been through in a long, long time. Greedock had controlled countless sentience over the years, everything from Key to Sklorno to Lee Key, even a dolphin or two. And hundreds of Quith leaders, the most intelligent, controlling beings in the known universe. And, of course, humans. Many humans. Humans were often the easiest to control because they were so poorly trained at hiding their emotions. Quith leaders had the obvious tell of their ever-shifting eye color. But Quith leaders aspiring for power quickly learned how to repress those color changes or even consciously manipulate them. Those who didn't, well, they didn't last long. Human tells, however, were much more difficult to control. Body heat, heart rate, pupil dilation. Alpha waves, respiration. A trained quith leader could read all of these tells. Knowing your opponent's true intentions, that was the game. Knowing what was important to them. Knowing what they could and couldn't live without. Knowing when they were lying. Quentin Barnes had not been lying. The young human had been willing to walk away from the Krakens, from the GFL. To protect a quith warrior he barely knew. To protect a man that had thrown games, a man that had betrayed the team, the entire sport. And nothing was more important to Quentin than the sport of football. That fact was obvious in every tell. With Pine out of the way, Quentin became the permanent starting quarterback, the thing he claimed he'd wanted all his life. But he'd put all that on the line until he got his way. What could compel a human to do something that was so contrary to his own best interests? The answer seemed obvious. Loyalty. Quentin Barnes was loyal to a fault. Loyal to the point he'd thrown his own future away to protect a friend. In Greedock's world, loyalty often went to the highest bidder, or at least to the Shamakath that provided the most opportunities for advancement and wealth and power. 
Greedock looked at the shriveled shape of Mopuk, drained of fluid. His fur lay in ugly clumps at the bottom of the glass table. Fat shushaliks, newly bloated with Mopuk's blood, moved lazily through the piles of fur. Mopuk had claimed to be loyal. That brand of loyalty, the brand with which Greedock was most familiar, lasted only until the next potential payday. Quentin's loyalty. Well, that was another story. That kind of loyalty Greedock could put to good use. If the Krakens could win two more games, if they could reach the elite ranks of Tier 1, Greedock would find a way to use that loyalty indeed. The touchback shuddered out of punch space. Quentin let out his long-held breath in a slow, steady exhale. He'd made it yet again. The anxiety was the same, but this time he wasn't hiding in his room. He stood on the viewing deck, next to Virak the Mean. Flying scares you? It's not the flight, Quentin said. It's the punch-out. He looked at the view screens, amazed at the sight of the Quith homeworld. They had arrived on the nighttime side, yet there wasn't one dark patch to be seen. Every last square mile seemed covered with the soft glow of civilization. I one, Quentin said. Is the whole thing covered? There is no more open land, Virag said, nor much open water. Seventy-two billion, Quentin said. The population of Quith seemed so staggering he had to say it out loud to appreciate it. Now you understand why we expand. We either find new worlds or stop breeding, and that is not an option. They said nothing more, simply stared at the overpopulated planet. The purest nation planets were relatively unpopulated. Earth, however, was at 18 billion and counting. He wondered how long it would be until Earth, like the Quith homeworld, was just one big city without boundaries. Pine dressed for the game, but had about as much a chance of seeing field time as the purest nation had of winning the Intergalactic Sentient Peace Award for good deeds done to other species. The team still didn't know, save for Virak and Quentin. But Hokor knew. Greedock had obviously informed his workaholic coach that Donald Pine, two-time Galaxy Bowl champion, one-time league MVP and erstwhile savior of the INF Krakens franchise had been taking Hokor's detailed game plans and basically using them to wipe his butt. Pine had gone from starter to the doghouse faster than a ship moving in punch drive. At least thus far, Hokor hadn't told anyone else. Too many beings now knew. It was only a matter of time before the rest of the team discovered Pine's horrible secret. And when it came out... Pine's presence would be most unwelcome in the Kraken's locker room. But Quentin didn't have time to worry about that right now. It wasn't his problem anymore. He had a whole new set of problems, 46 of them to be precise, each one wearing the metallic silver uniforms of the Quith survivors. A losing team my rear end. The only thing that matters is how they match up against us, and they match up very well indeed. The survivors weren't a losing team, they were an enemy, an obstacle standing between him and his dream. No, 
far more importantly, they were standing between his team and his team's dream. There wouldn't be any interceptions today, just completions, just a calm, methodical march down the field and a strangulating game of ball control and field position. He wasn't going to give the survivors any chances to get into this game and get a very erroneous thought in their brains that they had any right to be on the same field with the INF Krakens. Ball control. Ball control, patience, field position. You have been listening to The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League Series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Super Weapon. Superweaponband.com. You're trying to say I'm putting the air The kids are coming for you Nothing you can do Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.